0: On this episode of Connected, we continue our conversation about IT and IoT security, what to do to help prevent it. This and more on Connected.
1: The network for the AV industry. What
0: are you listening to? This. This is
2: AV. This. This. This This is Is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Connected, episode nine. Is it secure? Recorded October 19th, 2016.
1: Greetings everyone, and welcome to this episode of Connected, Everything IoT. My name is David Danto, your host. uh, And on this week's episode of Connected, we're going to be talking about uh, IoT security part two. Um, we had this conversation early on in one of our uh, webcasts, and now we're uh, coming back to talk about what's going on with uh, the Internet of Ransomware things and uh, a number of security issues that have come out around uh, botnets and insurance companies that are concerned and a lot of liability. So joining me on my guests, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves again. We have uh, Jason Harris. Jason, tell everybody who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah, hi, I'm Jason Harris. I'm the managing principal consultant for security uh, in the in the Americas, and my role is really to, to help clients understand security architecture, security risks, emerging threats, trends. Um, IoT security is definitely one that's top of mind, and we'll talk a bit more about that in detail later.
1: Great. And we have Paul Chavez. Paul, can you let everybody know uh, who you work for and what you do?
3: Sure. Uh, My name is Paul Chavez. I work for Harman uh, Professional Solutions and I'm the Director of Systems Applications where I work on uh, software development and design as well as technology strategy.
1: Terrific. Thank you, Paul. And rounding out uh, our panel for this show is uh, Bradford. Ben needs no introduction, but Bradford, why don't you do it anyway?
0: Uh, Thank you, David. Uh, I'm actually going to be wearing two hats today. Uh, One hat is I am the self-proclaimed digital janitor and web architect for AV Nation and a network nerd. And then during my day job, when I'm not on vacation, uh, I work with Paul at Harmer Professional Solutions, where I'm a senior solutions manager uh, specializing in large systems. Uh, So I do a lot of networking stuff, both professionally and for fun.
1: Terrific. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you making the time to have this conversation, because I think it's an important one to have. So um, so I was minding my own business, you know, reading the news on one of my yes. smart devices, and, um, and all of a sudden I saw a notice come from Johnson & Johnson saying yes. that their insulin pumps um, are subject to hacking, and users should be aware. Not that if I'm using an insulin pump, I would know what to do to prevent it from being hacked, but that really brought it home for me that we are now surrounded not just by um, industrial devices in, 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 uh, you know, enterprises and organizations, but, but dozens if not hundreds of things in our own home that are connected to the Internet. Um, have sensors, have base-level operating systems that are probably not very secure, and maybe taking part in a denial-of-service attack or, or maybe you know, subjected to ransomware, you know, your thermostat sending you reports saying, you know, if you don't pay XYZ, we're going to make your house too hot to live in or too cold to live in. Um, it, again, I'm going to ask each of you, but you know on a scale of, I'm making too big a deal out of it to, oh my god, my house is on fire, where really is this threat?
2: Well, our kickoff is Jason. So um, sad to say that the threat is real and we've actually just recently carried out the first um, instant response, which was for an organization that actually had a denial of service attack that originated, we proved, from IoT devices. So there's no doubt that it's a real threat and it's growing. Um, and in amongst all of our security review work that we're doing for clients, Often, almost always, we find that those you know, internet-connected smart devices, or smart cameras, or smart X, Y, Z, um, are running on insecure operating systems and not segregated from the rest of the network. Um, and when you add that to the fact that there's so many people who have smart these smart new smart IoT devices in their homes and they're using their same internet connection to connect back into their company or somebody else's company. Um, we're not making a big de- big enough deal out of it, I think.
0: Actually, I'm going to agree with Jason on this one, uh, but I'm going to say I'm going to take a slightly different tact because uh, I'm impressed that Jason's actually been retained to take a look at this stuff. I think it is a sky is falling type moment, but I think the sky has been falling for a while and we've just been kind of digging our head in the sand and ignoring it. Uh To me, one of the challenges is that there's very little review of this technology. Uh, So for instance, I'll use the example of Windows uh, 10 versus Mac versus an insulin pump. Uh, Of those three pieces of software, which one do you think has had security analysis done on it? Now, we we all pretty much will agree that it's not the insulin pump, but what makes it worse uh, is the fact that under the D- Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or DMCA, it can actually be deemed illegal for people to start looking at this stuff and publishing the information because it's copyrighted information on the insulin pump. So it's, it's almost as if the companies are purposely keeping us out using DMCA, uh, like John Deere has done and a couple other companies. But then you couple that with the fact of the password's password, it's a very easy device to get into almost no one at home knows how to set up their networks and it becomes a big problem Uh, i don't think it's unstoppable i think some basic practices of third-party review can help a lot of this you know if johnson and johnson had said we're going to hire a couple of white hats and say hey can you take a look at this or done it through an external third party uh because i know this sounds bad but working for you know, a company, having an external third party that we hire to look at this stuff and review it means that we get that second set of eyes, but also someone else who might have deeper experience with it. So I do think it's the sky is falling moment. And I think, you know, the insulin pump is just the tip of the iceberg. It's...
1: Yeah, I don't want to just throw Johnson and Johnson under the bus. That was just one example that was uh, very widely publicized. Paul, are you going to make this unanimous?
3: yeah well sort of <laughs> except that i'm an optimist and what, what the, my take on this is that um in, in some ways the evolution of this technology it, we, we can't we can't move forward without these uh without these sort of bad things happening and then the whole ecosystem of iot responding uh to these bad things happening it's almost like if we're talking about this uh medical situation you know we've got We've got a virus and we, we need to build up our antibodies. I think it's a, it's a natural sort of, it's a natural occurrence, it's a natural evolution of, of technology. So I think that these conversations are particularly useful in, in raising awareness and, and responding uh, to these problems that are, that are inevitable,
1: I think. And then after reading that article, and you guys are going to have to help me because I know I'm saying it wrong. um, I I see that there's an Internet of Things botnet out now. Um, Mirai was the name that it was called. Um, What is that, and why is that something that that should keep me awake at night?
0: Uh, I'll I'll tell you why. It it should not keep you awake, but it does keep me awake at night. Uh, So what the Mirai was is actually a pretty smart thing. Uh, that they've done for bad people. Uh, What they've done is a denial of service or distributed denial of service can take a website down or a company down. And what they've done is they've used all these internet of things devices that have very simple computers in them and typically don't have their passwords changed to attack a domain uh, just by sending a ping command from oh, say 100,000 devices at once. All to the same device, storming that device's connection and device's power. Uh, from an optimistic standpoint, to quote Paul, I think it's pretty cool that someone figured out how to use the distributed computing. From a <laughs> can we do this better? Yes, you know, such as making sure that the code gets checked. But what it does is it allows uh, nefarious people to do nefarious things without using their own equipment. Now, this seems like it's a small thing, uh, and as the as the paranoid person, not not paranoid, concerned individual, uh, this also comes under Rule 41 that the U.S. Senate or the U.S. Justice Department is trying to put in of the if your computer is being used in a botnet, they can legally search your computer even though you're an unwilling, complicit person, and that's the part that you should start worrying about is the All of a sudden, everything gets tied together and everything's searchable. Uh, Some of this stuff is very preventable. The botnets in question, if they had simply changed the administrative password, about half of the bots wouldn't have been used because, to be honest, the hackers were lazy. They send out the what's the default password stuff answered. And just simply changing that makes it very solvable. Uh, To Paul's point, it's solvable. We just have to, as people, take it on as a serious thing. I was gonna say also to my point,
3: though, that that, that
0: the Mirai uh, code
3: apparently has been uh, made public and will be evolving itself and will be becoming more dangerous over time, I think, because initially it's using Standard passwords or, or default passwords to, to enter into these systems, but who knows uh, now that it's public? Who knows how it'll evolve and how much more dangerous it might become? Well, I yeah. want to interject a
0: little bit. Sorry.
3: Uh, no, no. The,
1: the of, question that I was going to ask is that if I'm um you know a, a relatively intelligent idiot. Um, And I have, um, uh, you know, Windows at home and I'm running, you know, uh, uh, McAfee or or, or Norton antivirus or I've got a firewall running on the the router in my house. Uh, Those are things that I knew to take care of. Um, And, Jason, as you were talking about, from the from the enterprise standpoint, we can protect from the attacks. But what can I do as a consumer to protect? To, to, to take my doorbell that's got video and, and my light bulb that's on the internet and, and how can I prevent this from happening? I don't think there's a way at this point, is there?
2: Well, there's some pretty obvious things and we touched on the point earlier. I mean, I can ask you now a simple question. How many consumers change the default passwords on their Wi-Fi routers? Practically none. Um, everyone is time-constrained and the more and more... You know, technology that goes into houses and into our lives, the less and less likely is is it that people will change their passwords from the default. And yeah, you know, we just finished up uh, an instant response for a company that was targeted with the Mirai. So they were under attack. Same, you know, distributed denial of service it is solvable, but I see this as just another layer of additional complexity that people have got to worry about and try and keep control of. And that applies to, you know, to enterprises as well. Okay, so Mr. Overstretch Security Manager, okay, so I've now got to worry about not only my network devices, my you know, operating systems, my applications, I've now got to worry about IoT and, well, what about all the IoT that's connected to everyone who's connected to my network, which I actually don't quite understand when my network finishes because, Everything's interconnected.
1: Yeah, it's it's and again, it's scary. I know how to change the default password on the router in my house, and I have, thank goodness, but I don't know how to change the default password on my Nest thermostat, for example, mm. or 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 my connected, you know, mesh network light bulb that talks to the other bulbs and turns on and off. I wouldn't even know how to get into the shell of that and change the default password. And if I did, would it even work anymore? So. I'm I'm thinking that, that I I think I read an article last week that the answer is really middleware, that we've got to come back to some level of middleware that comes out there for managing these devices.
0: Well, actually, I want to jump in a little bit. uh, A couple things. Uh, Paul made a statement of the, the codes out there and people are going to be doing more nefarious things. I agree. But the codes out there, which also means that researchers are sharing how to defeat it unlike the DMCA where you can't look at it in terms of the middleware to be able to stop some of this being the nerd. I am, I run a firewall at home. That's a little more advanced. It's it's router based and managed switch based And I turn off everything inside my house that wants to go outside. Uh, And it's a separate network. Now, admittedly, I'm somewhat of a Luddite when it comes to home technology. Uh, I don't have IP controlled anything other than my Apple TVs and stuff like that. My doorbell is still analog. My thermostat is analog. My light bulbs are analog. Uh, It's one of those things of with all this technology I deal with every day, being able to come home and simply turn on the switch and not have to worry about some of the security is part of the trade-off.
1: But Bradford, that's an industry problem. That's exactly what we're talking about. We are out there with ready, fire, aim we're out there with, hey, consumer, buy all this stuff, and you'll be able to use your smartphone to answer your doorbell so burglars won't know you're not home, and it has to go outside your firewall, otherwise that won't work. And now oh, all of a sudden, okay. you've, you've, you've got a, a feature design I, that's insecure. I'm, I'm really vulnerable. I mean, my my, my I,
3: I like to experiment with this stuff. I need to know about this stuff, so I, I use a lot of I've got basically one of everything. It seems like in my house, and the the, the one thing I wonder, and I'll put it out to you guys too, because I don't really know the answer, but but uh, you know I wonder if if the insurance companies, or if if as as homes become more vulnerable and maybe infected, and 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 um, uh, you know running running these denial of services uh, um, instances, whether the Verizons and AT&Ts and and uh, other cable companies that are providing these these services to us will be somewhat more liable because they're the gateways into our homes well that's good. Means-
2: honestly, honestly they will do their utmost to bother into their contracts that they're not liable and you know to your point bizarrely as a security professional I'm actually a Luddite I don't have any of this smart enabled anything because you know it's just one one more thing for me to worry about so Okay, so what happens if I have my you know, smart access to my doors, my garage, you know, all these other things, um, and somebody breaks in through a weakness in that system? Is that wriggle room for the insurance company to turn around and say, "Ah, oh, well, you weren't diligent enough to ensure that you read this announcement from the company that said you should do something," um, and that's that's where we that's where we're likely to run into issues because if there's wiggle room, as we all know, unfortunately, the, the you know, human trait is people will try and, ah, oh, well, that was the reason why it happened. Um, so liability is shifted.
1: Well, that we, and, we just saw a report that, that I'll share a link with um, when, we, when we put the webcast out um, from Swiss Re that talks about in the inter- world of, of the Internet of Things that there is going to be a tremendous potential liability around all of these things going wrong. And you guys are scaring the death out of me. You know, if we're the technical professionals that understand this stuff and none of you are using any of this technology because you're afraid of it, what the heck kind of world are we getting into now?
0: Well, I want to be careful. It's not that I'm afraid of it. I'm lazy. There's a difference. <laughs> when I come home, I don't want to spend a half an hour getting this all set. Now, I will say there are some companies that are doing some pretty basic but helpful things, such as, and I'm not, I'm not singling them out, it just happens to be one that I use at home. My Cisco wireless access point and router does not come with a default password. It generates its own when you plug it in and presents it on the screen so it's not a default password it's a good step one that they've taken to limit this
1: and also Uh, verizon i I use verizon FiOS at home the verizon uh routers that they provide um come with a strong unique password that's not changeable um so
0: well that's actually a problem that's not changeable
2: (laughs) no doubt no doubt if i google hard enough i can find a list of those on some unsecured system somewhere
0: yeah uh i will say that there are things that we can do uh Tim and a couple of, uh, of the other AV Nation people laugh at me. that I run a VPN, virtual private network, when I'm in a hotel, just so that way my connection to my servers are relatively secure. I say relatively because nothing's absolute, but little stuff like that. like Instead of having a, a non-VPN gateway out of your house to the big World wide web, having a better solution of having a VPN connection out And so that you have a two-factor authentication, which is the way mine's set up. So you can make it more secure so that when you want to get in from outside to go change the temperature in your house while you're on vacation, yes, you have to go in and log in, put in your password for your VPN, put in a two-factor authentication code, and then be connected. It's a whole lot easier. That's a lot more secure. And Paul's going to laugh at me because I'm paranoid, but what it means is that no, the hackers no, no. who are lazy aren't going to give get look in my house. Oh, by the yeah, way, Carol's very to... nice. But today. You, you bring up a, a great point that
3: uh, you bring up a great point that I wanted I wanted to bring up here, which is that that good security today means terrible user experience, mm. and 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 that there's this trade off that that we we as tech tech uh, technology people kind of feel like. Like we have to give up user experience to, to get security, and I really don't believe that. I think that that ultimately I think the, the the onus is on the manufacturers to make these systems secure and usable and and that's a huge challenge, but we have to keep both in mind because what Bradford just described sounds like a nightmare
0: to me <laughs> and And I'll agree with you, Paul, and sorry, Jason, to cut you off. there are things we can do to make this better. Uh, I'm using a VPN that's, certific- that's not certificate-based or hardware-based, so I can use it from any computer as long as I know my credentials. You could go in and do MAC address filtering, which I'll pretend can't be spoofed, but we all know better. You can do a certificate with two-factor authentication, which is what some of the VPNs do. Of Here's a 256-bit word that's on your computer. It's going to match up against ours. There are ways to improve the user experience. Uh, for me, it was the the other features were worth the trade-off but I'm a nerd. All
1: right, but guys, I'm going to ask the question again from a commercial standpoint. Why isn't XYZ company that makes doorbells or or light bulbs that are connected to the internet of things putting themselves out, "Yeah, we cost $30 more, but ours are secure." Why isn't security and protection a feature in the consumer's minds or in the manufacturer's minds?
0: Uh I'll, I'll take my guess. A couple things. One, the consumers are resigned to it and aren't willing to put the investment in. To Paul's point, they'll make the trade-off of the, the user experience as such that I just want something simple and there are 300 million people. What are the odds of me being hit? And I have insurance against identity theft and all these other things. So I think there's a portion of that. But I also think there's the other part, which is... You know, there's no incentive for the company to do it. Uh, I wonder, and this is pure conjecture, uh, you know, if I say I'm secure and this is 256-bit encryption and blah, 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 will the insurance company, when something happens, say, well, this company is liable because they provide a security that's not really there? Uh, and I wonder if that's part of the game. And, you know, it's price-driven. If I can spend $5 mm-hmm. for I a think- doorbell, I will. Yeah, I will buy- I also
1: think. Good, Paul, I'm sorry.
3: I'm sorry, I, I was gonna say, I think that one of the reasons why people aren't willing to pay is because there hasn't been uh, enough publicity towards failures. Uh, um, you know, when we start seeing people really suffer because of this in the public, on the news and that sort of thing, then People will be able to be willing to pay more but really right now this uh, this these articles that you sent to me that uh, the, the, we looked at uh, prior prior to this there they're still fairly low-key and underground all of this information is still not like massively public as it needs to be
0: and also David I want to put your mind at rest sorry Jason you're, you're never gonna talk you made the mistake having me and Paul on. <laughs> I wanna put your mind a little bit at rest and make you nervous all at the same time. Uh, the bigger thing with ransomware and IOT is not the house. It's the business. Uh, there was a hospital in California that got held for ransomware of the, you want into your operating system, you will pay us X thousands of dollars. And I think that's the bigger challenge first. And, and because those are the deeper pockets of the system.
2: So, Jason, yeah, we're, if, we're if, dealing, if the... yeah, we're we're dealing with, I'd say, probably one of those kind of instances for enterprises a month now. Um, Jason, and unfortunately... if if the,
1: if the risk is to the enterprise from like the DDoS attack, um, mm-hmm. is there something that the enterprises can do to help influence the market so that these weak, awful points of failure are not as prevalent?
2: Um, I think that's going to be tough, but really what we need to be influencing and certainly what we're doing is most organisations, most enterprises just need to raise the level of security maturity, full stop, exclamation mark, because at the moment they're not. So this is just like an additional layer of threat and risk on top of everything else. And that's the, the, the core thing really is it's almost like the straw that breaks the camel's back there's all these existing threats, there's all these existing systems that aren't secure, that their IT is really struggling to keep up with, you know, keep up with the patch cycle, you know, application testing, application security testing, blah, 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 blah. You know, all these different vendors are connecting to their systems, et cetera, et cetera. And then you just say, oh, and by the way, you now got to worry about IIT not only in your own environment, but in the environment of all of the users that are connected to your environment and all of those companies, all of those users, for the third parties that connect into your network. Um, so yeah, we, we still go back to the they start at the core and work our way out. Um, I don't think there's going to be able to influence external organizations too much. Certainly in healthcare and industrial control systems, yeah, absolutely. The um, industry standards and um, yeah, compliance pressures are doing that already. But for all these myriad of um, consumer-based IoT, That for well, you know, no, that's the problem. There are no standards, yeah. I, I do think though that you know, I did my insurance, um, I'm moving house, so I had to do my I'm moving to a new house and I want my new cover. I do think now though, it won't be long before there's some tick boxes for do you have a smart this, do you have a smart that, which manufacturer do you have, and that could, and I believe that will start to influence your insurance um you know your insurance premium based on risk analysis financial risk analysis not security so much
1: so put in the better device because the better device gets you a lower insurance cost
2: or if you have no device like um you know bad for night by the sound of it hey you're a lower risk because actually you know you have to use a key to get into your house (laughs) interesting
1: all right, so I'm going to give each of you one more shot to give us the last word and your thoughts on this. Bradford, why don't we start with you? Um, tell everybody, uh, well, sum up your thoughts here, but also tell everybody how they can get in touch with you if uh, if you want, if they, if you even want people to get in touch with you after this show.
0: Uh, no, I always enjoy talking with people. Uh, so you can reach out to me at bradfordben.com, uh, at bradfordben, uh, at Harmon during my day job. I'm bradfordben at Harmon.com with two N's. Uh, at AV Nation, if you send something to Webmaster at AV Nation or Bradford at AV Nation, uh, I'll get it. Uh, if you Google me and you can't find me, it means my job's not being done right. Uh, I will say, don't stress. We are the low the low priority targets. If I was Citibank or a hospital, I would stress.
1: Okay, Paul, you?
3: Yeah, I, I think that there's a, a a lot of benefit to some of these devices that are coming out. I think that it is wise to kind of look one level deeper into the security of any given device. You have a lot of choices these days. Some are more secure than others. So, uh, so I think I think before you before you choose, uh, do do some more additional research. I can be reached uh, at paul.chavez at harman.com or on Twitter at uh, PMC Water Rock with two R's.
1: I'd uh, be glad to talk to anybody. Terrific, thank you. And Jason, we'll give you the last word.
2: Yeah, from my perspective, I'm kind of doing two things in parallel. One is every single normal consumer that I speak to, constantly trying to educate them on these, these are the new things that are happening. And the, the new ways that you need to be thinking about your own security, And obviously, from a commercial perspective, it's just business as usual. It's just another threat, although, you know, it's adding more complexity. Um, So I can be reached at jason.harris at dimensiondata.com or on Twitter at jasonh66.
1: Jason, Paul, and Bradford, thank you very much for having this conversation with us. I'm still scared. You know, I don't know if I'm going to put in that electronic doorbell next time. Um, uh, My name is David Danto. I appreciate you all joining us for this episode of uh, uh, Connected, the Internet of Things, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next show. Thanks very much. Take care, everyone. Thanks, David.